We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. Before we get into this week's show, we have to tell you guys about a brand new podcast here on the Blue Wire Network. Abner Mares is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little girls. He's starting up his own podcast. I know you guys love listening to us for boxing, but there can never be enough. Abner's beloved by Abuelas and hardcore fans alike. Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's newest podcast, On the Hook with Abner Mares, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man he is today. So on the hook with Abner Mars, you can hear him talk about topics like the current state of boxing, uh, being a husband and a girl dad, his journey from being a kid on the streets to a boxing champ. So listen to On the Hook with Abner Mars wherever you get your podcast. Episodes in English out on Tuesdays and episodes in Spanish out on Wednesdays. What up, everybody? Welcome to the Corner Podcast. It's me, Kel Dansby, the old man, Andreas Hale in the building. I am fresh back from Mexico. All-inclusive resort, I managed to stay Rona-free, so it's great to be back in the crib talking to you guys. That's also, sadly, why we don't have three shows this week, but we're going to make it work. We're going to give you guys two shows still, even though it's a short and condensed week, so plenty of combat sports to talk about. Today, we got a UFC card, Korean Zombie versus Brian Ortega to talk about, as well as Lomachenko versus Teofimo Lopez, but what I wanted to kick it off with which has been a crazy topic, and Dre, you know more about this than me, so I'll let you hold the reins to it here in a second. But Ice Cube has been all over the timeline. 
and a lot of people have been going crazy and, and going to the deep end on what Ice Cube has been doing. So there's a lot of outpouring negatively towards Cube and it came out of nowhere as a firestorm. So you know what? We got to start our show talking about that today. Yeah, crack it, because everybody knows by now, Ice Cube had a contract for Black America, um, submitted this contract to both the Democratic and Republican Party. Democrats said, ah, we'll get back to you after the election. Trump administration said, hey, bring that shit over here so we can use the fuck out of you. That's basically the summary of it. Now, b- before we get into anything else, contract with Black America, I don't know who gave authority to Ice Cube to write up a contract that, w- that the, the entirety of Black America agrees with. I don't know who gave him that. that and uh, that's concerning because I've seen, I finally got a chance to look at this contract and I was like, wow, this is m- missing a lot of things. Now, some of it is admirable. Uh, more polling sites in black and brown communities, uh, you know, banks, economic wealth, things of that nature. All sound great in theory. My issue is, uh, it's October, we're recording this podcast on October 15th. The election is a little over two weeks away. There is nothing that this contract could possibly state at this very moment that either party will look at and actually put into practice other than pandering to an audience. And that is exactly what Trump is going to do with this. He calls it the platinum plan, which makes me feel like I'm watching fucking Empire. Because who the hell calls a platinum plan for white people? This is for black people. This is like so evidently clear that he, he's trying to do this for black people, but it's a piece of shit. Now, people are calling Cuba Coon and Uncle Tom and lambasting him for doing this, for reaching across the aisle to the Republican Party. I say we need to stop doing that shit. Stop going that far. There is nothing that Ice Cube did that makes him a coon or an Uncle Tom. And I've said this before. By definition, a coon or an Uncle Tom is somebody who is actively trying to destroy the community that they're a part of, specifically the black community, consciously making an effort by pandering to the other side, which is the white people in their audience, saying things that they want to hear about us, which is also often in a negative light. Cube isn't doing that. What Cube is doing is looking at politicians as both evil, equal evil, and that's where this starts the problem because it's not an equal evil that's going on here. Trump is fucking evil. <laughs> like he's the epitome of Satan in the Oval Office. Whereas Biden, yes, he signed crime bills. Kamala Harris, yes, she is a she was a state prosecutor and a DA and she has locked up black and brown people, but fucking who hasn't? You have to play the game to be a politician. But none of them are remotely close to Trump bad. So when people say, got on Twitter and fixed their mouths and say, Ice Cube is working with the Republican Party, hence, therefore, he's a coon and an Uncle Tom, I have a problem with that. Because if you ever want to fix our situation, calling somebody a coon and an Uncle Tom for really thinking that they were doing something helpful, even when they're not, what you're supposed to do is a pull of the coat and say, yo, Ice Cube, this ain't it. Now, obviously... Kel, me and you, we don't have the power to call Ice Cube and be like, this ain't it, right? Yeah, exactly. But I'm sure he's got homies that were like, yo, Cube, this ain't it. But for the audience and the fans of his that were calling him out as a coon and Uncle Tom, this is exactly what the Trump administration wants. This is exactly what white America, like white nationalist America laughs at us about because we are so quick to turn our back on the people that we have supported over the years for something that we disagree with because we still have this monolithic idea of what blackness should be. And I have a problem with it. I disagree with with Ice Cube's approach. I disagree with him 
sending this, I, like, I get what he was trying to do. And I said this with Terry Crews, and then Terry Crews went completely left and was like, fuck him. But with Ice Cube, I get what he was trying to do. He said, he's basically saying, listen, our vote's not free. Just because we're black, we shouldn't vote Democratic. So what I'm going to do is put forth this plan, which he shouldn't have done by himself. I'm going to put forth this plan and see who reacts to it to get our vote. That's a good idea in theory if you remove Trump from the equation and if you remove the election being less than three weeks away from the equation. But this isn't an Uncle Tom tactic. This is just a bad idea. And for us to be crushing Ice Cube, who gave us fuck the police, who gave us true to the game, who has been an actor and are we there yet and all this other shit that we've done that we've enjoyed. And now we're turning our back on him and calling him a coon is problematic to me. Stupid, yes. Misinformed and misdirected, absolutely. Does he need a stern talking to behind closed doors? Yes. But to blast him on Twitter the way that we have, I think is fucking irresponsible. And I think the Trump administration is enjoying this. And that's why they put out that tweet. Yay, Ice Cube, thank you. We're working with you on this thing. Ice Cube literally said, I never had a phone call with him. But all he has to, all people have to do is say, Oh, he's working with it. Like, they called him MAGA Cube. I'm like, come on, man. When did he say he was supporting Trump? This ain't Kanye. People compared him to Kanye. It's not Kanye. It's a mistake. It's not Kanye. Y'all need to fucking... If, if you were one of those people, you need to apologize to yourself. You don't even have to call Cube and apologize because you can't. And if you tweet him, he probably ain't listening. But you need to think about this because the next time you do something that may be a little bit misinformed, but you've meant well, and somebody calls you a cooner and Uncle Tom and you're deeply offended... Think about Ice Cube. No, I I understand that. I would say on the other end of that, what he tried to do, I understand. I get it. Why I say sometimes you can be, you're too old to be an idiot. And by that, I don't mean what he tried to do. It's being gullible, right? Not you... He's been through too much and he has too much life experience to know better than to let them use him as a ploy. When the Democratic Party says, yeah, we'll get back to you after the election, that's not a slight. That's kind of common sense. We're in the middle of something, Ice Cube. If your vote is going to be swayed in the next two weeks, well, then I'm sorry. But for the next two weeks we gotta win office so that we can actually change something what congress senate and presidential like we gotta win some of this shit then let's sit down and we'll take a look at this but let us get power the republicans saying no let's just do it now of course because they think yes they can sway votes in the next two weeks and they will use you to do so being used in that capacity to me, he should know better. Yeah, no, listen. I think he, it was foolish that the, the timing of this was bad. I think the talking to the Trump administration is bad because we know what Trump stands for and what he has proven. Now, if it was, I'd even say if this was George W. Bush, I'd be like, all right, I get it. John McCain, I'd be like, oh, okay, I get it. But Trump is just cut from a different cloth, and that cloth happens to be white with a hood on it. So I can't, I could not work with him, but I get what Q was trying to do. It's like equal opportunity. Who's going to step up? Because I think we have been lured into this false sense of security that we should vote Democrat. But on the other side of the coin is 
I've told, I think I talked about this last week or a couple weeks ago. Now there's people that are actively trying to say, you can't vote Democrat. You should be able to vote for Trump. You should do what you want to do. That's fucking stupid too. But one thing is definite is that I don't give a shit how much money you have or how popular you are or what you've accomplished in the entertainment world. It doesn't make you an expert on politics. And I think a lot of people, as I mean, I get that we should look to some of these celebrities, um, for guidance because they have money but celebrities should also look to people that are doing the work and put their money and efforts behind them instead of trying to do it themselves because it's not really your world anymore q you're rich you're filthy rich now i get it because like even me i'll use me as an example i'm of course i'm not even close to the level of q but i grew up in the hood and when i got some money i left the hood and i mean this is what we do right like we grow up and it's like all right cool and I want to raise my, my, my child and my family to grow up in other areas of Vegas or wherever they're going to live so we can have blackness everywhere. That's, I, I don't ever believe, believe in like staying, stay true to the game, stay in the hood. I don't believe in that shit. I think it's stupid. I think we need to spread our economic wealth. However, because I no longer live in East Las Vegas and Crack Alley, I am not as much in touch with exactly what's going on right then and there. Just like Cuba, I'm certain, is not positive of what's going on in Compton in L.A. like he used to. So because of that, because for, for me, I would look like a fool if I went to Crack Alley and told them what they needed to do to fix themselves. Pull yourselves up by the bootstraps. This is what Crack Alley needs. And I call it, it's called Crack Alley. I'm dead ass serious. That's where I grew up. And... I, but I would look like an asshole because I don't live there. I don't know what's going on. I, who am I to say this? Cuba is so far removed from middle class America and the, and the impoverished communities of black America that need this economic wealth. And although he means well, he doesn't really understand what's going on and he's not really doing the work. And there are people in those communities that are doing the work. There are people that are trying to get out the vote. There are people who are actively trying to you know, run for office in these communities and being judges and congressmen, things of that nature. And he's completely removed from that. So instead of drawing up a document yourself with your rich homies and presenting this to Trump and Biden and say, hey, this is what I think black America needs. Talk to those people who are working that are on the ground, that are stomping their feet on the pavement, that are protesting, that are doing all these things because that's where the power lies. Not with you. Not, not anymore. You are not that guy. We love fuck the police. Don't get me wrong. But you're not making fuck the police in 2020 because it's different for you now. So, yeah. look, I get it. He meant well. He thought he was doing a good thing. And I, I won't call him a coon for that. I'll say it's misguided, misinformed. He deserves to be roasted. But, again, my biggest issue is not necessarily what Cube did. is our reaction. I don't, I don't like the liberal use of the word coon. Reserve that shit for Jason Whitlock. That motherfucker deserves it. Ice Cube does not. Constantly. I didn't even see the other shit. What's the name of the white guy who was trending today? Um, The sports guy. He's trending for some shit on like Fox News though. Who, Will Kane? Will Kane. Uh. I didn't even see what he said. I just took it for for face value. I mean, we know who Will Kane is. Come on. Yeah, I was like, oh, he said some racist shit? I don't even got to look it up. I believe you. So it's crazy world, yo. Two more weeks. It's only going to get crazier. Y'all get out there and vote. We, we said, get out there and vote. Don't care who you vote for. Um, you vote for one person, I'm judging you. But outside of that, vote how you're going to vote. Make your voice heard. Make a change.
All right, we'll get back to the show in one second. But first, even though sports had a break, your business did it. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools for you to make your search that much easier. Those tools include sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire that you need just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Um, let's go right into boxing, though. It's a big boxing weekend and super big and busy for me. We have Lomachenko versus Teofimo Lopez on ESPN Saturday night. It's free, no pay-per-view, which led to me doing crazy amounts of work this week. It's been fun, but I swear I need another Mexico vacation next week just to recover from this week. It is nuts. Everything around this fight, to me, it it has it all Everything that's needed to have that big fight feel. Do you think that the numbers will back up what how big this fight truly is? Um, it depends on what those what you think those numbers are. If those numbers are three million viewers, maybe five million, probably not. But you got to pop a five rating. Like Raws used to get like two point eight. Like you got to pop a five. It's, Granted, different climate. Yeah, but. it's a totally different climate. But I do think. Like, from the beginning, when they tried to put this on pay-per-view, I thought it was a horrible idea. Because nobody in this economy with two fighters, as much as we think Lomachenko's great, he's not a mainstream star, Teofimo Lopez is relatively new to the field. They, people weren't buying this. This, however, as, a, as going in and people like landing on this fight, searching for college football, there's, there is a brilliance behind how this could work. Because this should be an excellent fight with a strong undercard, even though it lost Clay Collard, which sucks. But... Yeah. This this is how it's supposed to be with college football going on. I mean, shit, man. I mean, this is a loaded slate, and somebody's gonna be leave the show, the channel on ESPN, and they're gonna say, "Oh, I might as well sit here and watch this this Lomachenko guy. I've heard of him, and this Tiafimo guy. I've seen him because he does like he wears jerseys and shit. He wore a Joe Burrow jersey and does backflips. I should watch this fight. This is fucking intelligent positioning and marketing. So I think this fight does well. I don't know how well it does." I wouldn't be surprised if it did a huge rating at all. I'd be disappointed if it did like two million. I think it should do better than that. I think I would be too. Like the buzz around it seems pretty, pretty good. Like people are very interested in what they see from these two guys and to have boxing at this level on a public platform is something people have wanted for a long time. I personally think they should do more of this. Every fight doesn't have to be a pay-per-view. It shouldn't be a pay-per-view. Ain't nobody buying that shit. Yeah, it shouldn't behind. Listen, I love ESPN Plus as much as the next guy. It 
results in me getting checks. So I'm not bad-mouthing it. But some fights shouldn't be behind a paywall either. No. Some fights shouldn't be behind the zone paywall. Like some, It's cool sometimes to give these fights away, quote-unquote, but you'll make money in advertisements. Like you, The people in charge will be fine. It hurts them more to have no fans than it does to be on national TV. Yeah. Like, so I, I get I, it. I, I think this is great. The, the challenge is, the reason why they have to do pay-per-view is, economically speaking, fighters are accustomed to getting a certain amount of money. And the only way, like, the Charlos could get what they asked for is by doing this on pay-per-view. That's how you make that up that money. No matter how poorly the pay-per-view does, it ends up going back to those fighters. And from an economic standpoint, sure, that makes sense. But for growing the sport, doesn't work at all. With the Charlos fighting on free television, would that have done a lot more for the marketability and for the, the sport as a whole? Yes. Pay-per-view? Nobody was going to watch that shit. <laughs> like that. And I think the numbers came back. I don't think it cracked over 100,000. Maybe barely over 100,000. And people are like, that's pretty good. No, it's not. That's terrible. That's terrible because those two guys are marketable. It was a great card and it was 75 fucking dollars. Are you kidding me? Cut it out. This fight's going to be free. Yeah, if it did 100, though, that's almost a million extra dollars, I guess. But you can't tell me you wouldn't have got a million dollars in advertisement and TV money. I'm just saying, all money ain't good money. Like, listen, man, boxing has to figure this shit out sooner rather than later. I'm not saying you need to pay these guys UFC money because that's fucking brutal and ridiculous. And we'll talk about <laughs> Joaquin Buckley and how much money he made for, like, the knockout of the century. But they, some of these guys getting paid, like, $4 million for a fight is ridiculous. It's just, it's too much. A million, a million and a half, I can understand. If you're not, if you're not on pay-per-view or if you're not like a huge name, it's not even a world title fight. If you get like four million fighting the bum, like it's crazy. It breaks the scale because now every fighter thinks they should get this amount of money. And then every promoter sits there and goes, well, how the fuck am I going to make this money? Especially when you don't got no goddamn fans. Then they put it on pay-per-view, nobody watches it, and the sport gets hurt because of it. Just the way it is. It, the shit doesn't work. It may work short term that you keep the fucking Charlo brothers happy. But look, have you looked at the videos of the cars that they have? They can miss out on a car. Shit. You can cut a hundred seven hundred fifty thousand dollars out of that paycheck. If they get mad, Brandon, oh well, sit on the bench. They, they live in Texas, so money goes long in Texas. But I saw their crib. I was like, oh, they're living big time. Yeah, and I'm not saying I, I want them to be poor, but I'm just saying, like, when I hear that these guys are getting like four million and Three million. I'm like, come on, man. Against who? It's also why they only fight two times a year. Yeah, because why? Which is also bad. You don't need to. Look, you don't need to. <laughs> like, why? I got the money. And, you know, MMA fighters are like, shit, I need to fight. I'm fucking poor and hungry. Yeah. Like that they kid. You got to fight five years to make what a Charlo makes in one night. Yo, they're like that kid. Everybody's seen the video. Like, if he's got three dimes and he has a dollar, how much does he have? And the kid goes, he's broke. <laughs> he starts laughing. That's MMA fighters. That's the epitome of an MMA fighter. It's like, well, you made 10 and 10, and you got a, you know, a, a, the Art Reebok promotion thing was like $750. How much money you got? It's like, motherfucker, you broke. <laughs> like, you risked your lives to be broke. Could you imagine that? Sh like, Ryan Garcia is 21. Ryan Garcia is going to cash probably. This is before endorsement deals would probably through the roof. He's probably going to make a mill. 1.2 on this next fight in MMA at 21 regardless of who you are you're making what I mean Sage Northcutt might have been the top as made, a 21 year old it was like 46 and 46 or something like that yeah so maybe you're making 200 thou a year 
the average 21-year-old in MMA Yo. is making 20000 a fight. You know what they're doing? They're like, they do their fight, and they're calling Ryan Garcia. It's like, can I mow your lawn this weekend, sir? Because that's, that's fucked up. That's, but that's the that's way it, it is. Ryan Garcia makes more off of Instagram, I would venture, than any UFC fighter under the age of 25 right now. Yeah, his following is ridiculous. Six million followers on IG. He makes more on Instagram checks. Yo, somebody than they make for fighting listen, every year. Somebody needs to explain this to me because for the life of me, as much as I've talked to Ryan over the years, well, over the few years that I've, I've talked to him at the zone, like we're friendly with each other when we see each other, I still can't comprehend why he has so many followers. I can't. I can't make heads or tails out of it. Like I've looked and I'm like, what? How? I I can't. I can't fathom this. Where does it come from? That many? Yeah, he got into like the Calabasas circles. Like, how do you? How does Kylie Jenner's third best friend have four million followers? I, right? Like, I don't get you, it. You get into those circles. He's a young California pretty boy, it's, and that's, that's all it took. That's all it takes. And it was, it was the craziest thing about it is he did a couple of photo shoots like with his shirt off got in a couple of magazines and then took off and then now all the other influencers put him in their videos and then it just spirals out of control dude i think he's gained three million followers during the pandemic dude he had there's a video where he's the so some other youtube white girl she was like 17 he's, he's teaching yeah, he's her yeah he's teaching yeah. her in a box i'm like i looked and it was like 18 million views i was like what yeah <laughs> Stupid. Like, who gives Crazy. a shit? But apparently somebody does. So, yeah. all this to say, like, boxers get paid way too much. Ryan Garcia is a unique situation. And I say this all the time when I'm in meetings. He's I was underpaid. He is. Because if you want to, uh, if you want the sport to grow beyond hardcore boxing fans, you put everything you got behind Ryan Garcia. Because it, that man can transcend this sport by far more than any other athlete in the game right now he's good he's not like he's a bum he's got a significant following on social media he understands how this shit works and he's willing to fight anybody what do you what the fuck like as much as canelo is great he's got his money or doesn't if you look at this whole lawsuit thing which is a whole nother thing in its entirety but there's nothing you can really do to grow canelo's audience whereas ryan garcia he's somebody that can bring people who don't watch boxing to boxing you put everything behind that man now. I don't understand what is going on between Golden Boy and anybody else. Figure that shit out. The kid is a fucking know. star already. Like, even if he loses, that's why we'll talk about this fight. That's why it doesn't matter. Like, if we get into a position where, you know, Ryan Garcia is fighting for a world title, like, let's just say he fought Lomachenko, right? And he fucking lost. Who cares? Like, everybody, you should be able to lose in boxing. And His just, fans surely don't care. No, they don't give a shit. Like they were like, good effort, because he's only like twenty-one, and so, yep. and he loses, and pfft, who cares? So this was what. Let's bring this back to Lomachenko Lopez. There's people that are, that are calling this the Mayweather Canelo fight, me included, and TFM does not like that, but I think he's missing the entire point because TFM Lopez, at twenty-three years old, is the same age is Canelo when he fought Floyd Mayweather. Mm -hmm. And Floyd Mayweather was unequivocally the number one pound-for-pound fighter on the planet. Vasily Lomachenko is arguably the number one pound-for-pound fighter on the planet. He's 32. 
if Teofimo Lopez loses this fight, he loses nothing. And I don't think he understands that. I think his ego is super huge where he feels like he can't lose this fight, but he can. Lomachenko is the one who cannot lose this fight. When Canelo lost to Floyd, what happened? Did anybody care? Nah, the rocket was on his back. It, it was, people knew him. It was entertaining enough that they wanted to follow him. It was, he got the rub. This is yep. the rub. This is like wrestling, like the rocket WrestleMania, and you come up short, but oh. you have a good performance. But now you got the rub. You have, you have the glow now. Like if Teofimo wins, he's, the world is his oyster. But if he loses, so the fuck what? Fuck what? If he loses, go up to 140 and beat the shit out of everyone. Because like, that division's for the taking right now. You move up to 140 with this rub, you're the A-side against everyone at 140. It, dude, Canelo lost to Floyd. And now, because people always say, well, Floyd destroys careers. When people lose to Floyd, they're never the same. But if you're mentally strong enough to lose to Floyd and understand what happened, where that's exactly what Canelo did. The other comparison to Canelo and Tiafimo is Canelo, like Tiafimo, is naturally bigger, viewed as yep. naturally stronger, clearly younger, and is on the cusp of being a superstar. Those are all the things that Lopez are, is. And if he loses... And if he takes the lessons, and he's like, oh, man, I was drained from the weight cut. Well, I'm never going to do that shit again. That's exactly what Canelo did. Canelo was like, I'm never going to drain Ray for a fight. I'm never going to play his game anymore. That's what Tiafimo should do. And he's so fucking good. If he loses, which I, I think he's going to lose, it doesn't matter. Canelo got fucking schooled by Floyd Mayweather. Forget C.J. Bird's, I mean C.J. Bird, C.J. Ross's ridiculous 114-114 score. Canelo was in that fight for a minute. He, like, Mayweather dominated that fight. But nobody cared. Tiafimo loses, but he tries, and he doesn't mentally check out, and he doesn't cry. Or if he just says, hey, got to be by the better man tonight, come back stronger. He's still a fucking star. I, I, don't, I, I, I don't understand why people are like, no, this is not. No, this is. This is Canelo. This is Canelo Mayweather all over again. And boxing should absolutely do more of this. We need as more a, of these fights. As a narrative, I agree. In ring, I think it's drastically different, which is why even when I talked to Theo earlier today, like when I told him, I was like, listen, it doesn't remind me of that fight at all. And I told him the matchup in ring reminds me of Pacquiao Marquez. How? Stylistically. Pacquiao is one of the best of his generation. We knew it back then, right? Marquez is a guy who was bigger, filled out stronger could withstand Pacquiao's punches even if he went to the, down to the ground enough to keep putting pressure on Pacquiao and it made those fights really close to me Teofimo has that same size mentality and ability to walk down Lomachenko now Lomachenko is very similar to Pacquiao in my mind where he's not Floyd he's not defensive with his skills he's talented offensively and he has to come at you to do what he does best like Manny Pacquiao which Marquez understood and it left Pacquiao open for things that Marquez capitalized unlike anyone else off of against Manny Pacquiao I think Diofimo could be that to Lomachenko stylistically Lomachenko is very much like Manny and in this regard Diofimo could fight very much like Marquez Mm, I'm gonna where you don't let him dance around you. You use that size and you make him trade. And Marquez did that to Pacquiao every time. I'm going to disagree with you wholeheartedly. Here's why: the reason why Manny Pacquiao did so well against—I mean, Juan Manuel Marquez did so well against Manny Pacquiao—had nothing to do with size. It had everything to do with timing. 
Juan Manuel Marquez is arguably the greatest counterpuncher in Mexican mm. boxing history. Tino's counterpunch is no joke, mm, but okay. Mm, Marquez had proved like Marquez had proved He's himself. Proven more. Yes, it, like yes. he has shown like from the from the if you look at that first Marquez Pacquiao fight and Pacquiao dropped his ass three times, the fight could have been stopped. Marquez made adjustments. His IQ yep. was beyond anything. It had nothing to do with size. He knew he he could clearly throw in between Manny's punches. Teofimo has not proven that yet. To me, that's just sticking to the game plan. No, nah, it's like not. He knocks me. It's Pat not. knocks me on my ass three times. I don't care. I'm sticking to my game. No, nah, it's not that. Walking through his punch. That's not it because he never walked through a punch. What Marquez did from the from that point on is he knew when to throw when Manny was throwing, and that is an adjustment. That is not a game plan. That is IQ. That's what Floyd does very well. That's what Andre Ward does very well. Once they start, once the game starts to slow down, and they're able to pick up like like tendencies. You're done. And that's what Marquez was very, very good at. Had never had anything to do with size. Tiafimo's issue is going to be this. Like, I don't know what the weight cut's going to be like for him. Lomachenko, you're absolutely right. Lomachenko's not Mayweather in terms of the defensive uh, responsibility up top, right? But the footwork is phenomenal. And the footwork is to the point where it could piss you off. And that's why four of his opponents quit because they were pissed off that they couldn't catch that motherfucker. So TFM was like real. The game plan is not a game plan. The game, what he needs to do is be able to adjust because the the guy that he is fighting on Saturday, it was 396 and one in amateur fights, which means that he has fought 396 probably different ways before he turned pro. TFM has no, him and his dad have no idea what version of Lomachenko they're getting, but what they need to be prepared for is whatever comes at him. And nothing that his dad can tell him in that corner is going to help him in that fight. This is no, all going to... He has to adjust. He's going to have to adjust. The size, yes, the size matters because the only reason why the size really matters is I need to see if Loma could take that punch. That's it. But I don't think that Tia is going to be able to bully him because that footwork that Lomachenko possesses is superb. It is probably the best we've ever seen in boxing. I agree with that. Like, offensively, it's... Sugar Ray Robinson levels of offensive footwork, right? But we've seen as he's fought at 135, because the truth is, is he's not a 135 pounder. Mayweather wasn't a 150 pounder. Mayweather is different. He is the greatest defensive fighter outside of Sweet Pea I've ever seen in my life. Like, it's different. When your game is to not be hit, I think you can maneuver through higher weight classes. Lomachenko's game is not necessarily that he moves his feet to get angles to be offensive he's there to be hit i watched the um pedraza fight again i watched the luke campbell fight luke hit him with a couple so you you look at that and it's like he's there to be hit it's just he's gonna hit you a lot more than you hit him but if you hit him right shit can get real real interesting just due to the weight class that it is and still to me Loma's best I'd say power punch is his hooks to the body because so many people worry about the 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 speed and the head and the combinations but the body work is superb if you can take the shots to the body or limit those you got a chance so far very few people have I think, um, look, 
when Lomachenko lost to Orlando Salido in his first world title fight, and he lost to a guy that was completely filthy in the ring, punched him low. It was like four low blows. Yeah, right? I mean, it was, he just... Not, no points taken away. Yeah, it, like Loma was like, this is not what they do in the amateurs. And he had to try yeah. to adjust, and he still barely lost that fight. But he learned a lesson. He was like, oh, the professional level is a lot different. People can do some filthy shit. And then from that point on, what Loma did is he controlled range a lot more, and he... he like, he understood, like, if you take one, you got to give one, right? If somebody hits me, I'll hit him back. Because they're not going to take any points away. Fuck it. Who cares? This fight is intriguing because I'm not counting Tio out. I, I love the power. I think he's got great timing. He's just going to have to prove that he can catch Loma pulling out. Like, people are like, Loma Chango's 32-0. That's not it. That's not the narrative at all. Oh, no. That 32 is not old, by the way. Not, like, it's people that say this is ridiculous. Or people say, well, he had 396 fights. He got a lot of mileage on him. Okay. That's yeah, not it's true. It's true, that, but that's, that's not. That's it. more true than the eight. Yeah, but that's that's not it either. The, the it's going to be up to Tilo to stop Loma from doing what Loma does best. Because Loma, what he does best is figure you out and then use his blinding speed and his angles to frustrate the shit out of you to get you out of position to get hit with something that you don't see coming. And that's very yeah. similar to what Manny Pacquiao does. But Manny does, he has this darting in and out movement. Where Loma's more like a ballerina. Manny's like a violent-ass wrecking ball. Where Loma, like, de- dances around you and then finds a place that you... The, to place a punch that you don't see, and those are the ones that bother you the most. The Nicholas Walters fight, if anybody watches that fight, he couldn't find him. And if you can't find your target, it's not... It's worse... What's worse than not being able to hit somebody you can see, like fighting Floyd, it gets really frustrating, is not being able to find the guy you're trying to hit because he's either on your left shoulder or your right shoulder or he's out of position, and then you're getting hit with shit you can't see. I'm very curious because T.O. has talked about knocking out Loma. He's very confident he's going to knock out Loma. If five rounds pass and you're down on the scorecards and you know it, what's he going to do? I'm concerned because I don't know what his dad's going to be able to tell him in that corner. That's tough. That That is the hardest thing. I, I think eventually that's what did in Jorge Linares. Right? Because I thought, and I've watched all these fights this past week, Linares had one hell of a start against Loma. And it was great for about five rounds. And then Loma made like two adjustments made two different angles, and Linares was lost to the point he ended up face first on the ground. Yeah. It's, I mean, shit, man, you have to adjust. Uh, even, like, if you look at Floyd fights, right, this is completely different. But Floyd gives you rounds, right, to, to figure you out. He'll give you a couple. Yeah. And he's like, all right, I got your ass figured out. You're done for. And if you hit him with Floyd with a shot, he'll realize, okay, that's what you're going to go for. That's your plan A. I'm going to take that away, and I already know what your plan B is. So now you'll never hit me with that punch again. That's always been Floyd's strategy. Lomachenko, on the other hand, he doesn't necessarily give you rounds. He dares you to hit him. And then when, he, when you finally do hit him, then he goes, oh, I know what that punch is. This will never work again. And that's exactly what he did to Linares. And Linares got pissed off and frustrated, couldn't find his target, and was, it was just like throwing it air. And in similar fashion, this is why I compare this to Canelo Mayweather. Canelo and Mayweather, it, there wasn't as much shoulder rolling from Mayweather as Mayweather wasn't there to be hit. And that's what I'm concerned about with uh, Teofimo heading into this fight. Canelo's tried to box with Floyd early, and he couldn't, couldn't do anything with him. And then Canelo was like, I, I need to knock him out, so I'm going to chase him. And you remember, like Floyd was making Canelo miss horribly. 
Because Canelo abandoned cutting off the ring. He abandoned everything that he thought of because he didn't really have a plan B. And that's what did him in. And Floyd just picked him apart from that point on. If, if Tiafimo gets frustrated and tries to land that big shot without setting up his punches in the fifth and sixth rounds, it could, he, I could see this being a runaway fight like Canelo uh, Mayweather all over again. See, I, at high, super high-level guys, not that Lomachenko hasn't had an easy fight, I don't think, like outside of two in his entire career, which is crazy. But there have been guys that have been able to hang with him. And I count Luke Campbell as one of those. Got to go way back. And I mean, completely different fighters today. But Gary Russell Jr. in that fight was able to hang with him and not, you know, say no mas to no maschenko. So when you get to that level of fighter, you know, Rigandau, Rigandau was kind of outclassed. He, he came up a lot of weight to fight him. So the Rigandau fight, I'm like, all right, it's a wash. But Pedraza, Campbell, you can hang around with Lomachenko if you want. Now, if you can catch him while you hang around, it's a different story. But he's not going to embarrass you if you can't figure him out. If you're a good enough fighter. If you're a high level. Like, Krola, you know, you get knocked out. Pedraza was able to hang around. Campbell, able to hang around. Linares, down late, had a great start to that fight. Went down in round 10. These are the guys who are really high class level on his resume. Before then, Russell Jr., 12 rounds. Salito, 12 rounds. If you're a different caliber, I know like Teofimo is a different caliber. I'm not worried about him getting knocked out or embarrassed. It's a matter of can you catch him to win. It's like fighting Wonder Boy Thompson mm. to a degree. D- you know, like it's like fighting John Jones. Listen, you could probably go the distance with John. John will let you go the distance, Tiago Santos. Like, yes, you, you might get some rounds off of John, Dominic Reyes. But can you put him out? Because you're really going to find it hard to beat him if you can't catch him. And really knock his ass out. So It's like fighting John Joe. So here's the question. Is there any way Teofimo Lopez can win a decision against Lomachenko? Yes, but he has to knock him to the ground. No, if you're telling me there's no knockdowns, no. There's no way he can win. The way you can win is if you get a knockdown, like say you hit him, his glove touches the canvas. Boom, you get a 10-8. Later, you catch him clean, you knock him down. That's two rounds, 10-8. And you still probably going to win by a round. It's, it's, it's like I say, it's like Wilder versus Fury. Wilder needed all those knockdowns to make that shit a draw. See, I, I don't, I don't think so. Listen again, I'm not completely counting count Tio out. I've been, I haven't committed on this fight for a reason because this is a tough fight to pick. It's really youth versus experience. For the most part, experience usually beats youth. But I don't see Teofimo winning by decision with a knockdown. And the reason why is I think if he knocks down Loma, I think he knocks him out. Like, I think Ooh, okay. I think if Lomachenko gets dropped two or three times in the fight, it's over. I don't. Mm. And the reason why is because Lomachenko doesn't really know how to lose. So guys, when they get knocked down, like he got up against Linares, but Linares couldn't do anything else after that. If Teofimo can drop Lomachenko, and he could do it a second time, he probably could knock him out. 
I don't think, like, if he does it more than twice, he's going to win by knockout. He may flash knock him down. But if you spread two knockdowns out between, like, the second and eighth rounds, I don't know if he still can win a decision. Because I think that means Loma's made some adjustments to win some of the other rounds. I, just, I don't want to see Tiafimo headhunting. I want to see him set up his power shots. And I want to see if he can time Lomachenko pulling out. Because that's what Lomachenko is going to do. He's going to get in, get out, and he's going to he's going to shift over to his right or to the left of your shoulder to the shoulder where you can't throw a punch, and that's what he usually does. If Teofimo can find a way to pull out and fire and catch him, because the problem with that is you pull out and you fire, you just throw a straight right hand, you're right there for the counter left. But if yep. he can do that, he can win this fight. But I'm I'm going my official prediction. I'm going with experience. I'm picking Lomachenko to win, but I think Teo is going to make a good account for himself. As long as he doesn't mentally check out. I am so concerned about his mental state heading in this fight. Not that I think he's broken or anything like that. He's just got a massive ego. And when you go into a fight with a massive ego. And your father has a bigger ego than you. And both of you are looking up at the scorecards going, we're fucked. Who's going to calm who down? I. What's crazy is. Diofimo has lost before. Yeah, a lot of fighters Plenty. lost before. Yeah, like, I, I think he's okay with that. Now, his dad ego ego might not be able to take it. I think his ego would be able to eat that. Or if he's losing in a fight, be like, okay, I got to come back. I get it. Tough it out. I got to dig down deep. Um, he showed that to us two fights ago. I thought he was losing that fight. Uh, what was that? The Nagatami fight or whatever. Yeah, Nakatomi was really awkward, and there was a whole bunch of shit that Tio had to do. Yeah, it was weird, fight. and he was going through. But he had, to, yeah, the let me get his Nakatani. Um, yeah, he had to dig deep to win that fight. And I thought he came back, won it in the later rounds, really solidified it. Cool, came back against Comey, really showed what he had. So I, I think that's in him. I'm not worried about him breaking mentally going into this fight. To me, this is probably as good as I've seen him mentally. Now, his camp could be fragile. If he loses this fight, I'm worried about how long his father's his trainer. Oh, there's a lot to be concerned about with that particular relationship. Because it's all good now, and it's all good sometimes, and it's all bad sometimes. And I've se- we've seen this a lot in boxing. People will leave their father as a trainer. Yeah. A couple of losses. You know, like, I don't know if his dad can take the losses. I think Theofimo would be fine. And if he went to a different trainer, I think he'd do great. He'd be perfectly fine with Reynoso or um, Roach, you know, any one of those guys. It's tough, man, because, like, when your father is your trainer, like, that video, The Blessed Wind Tears, first of all, the documentary was excellent. Um, oh, it was incredible. But that particular segment where Teal talks about his relationship with his dad, and I remember the time that I spent with Tio before the Magdaleno fight, I think. I spent a day with him. And his dad was no longer there. And he was talking. He was talking very candidly. And this is before he ran off and got married and all the other shit. But I could tell that this was a man who wants his dad to be a dad. And he doesn't want his dad to be a trainer all the time. And, it, and that kind of... And you can see the hurt. Because when it's 24-7 boxing, and you just want to come to your dad and be like, Pop, I need your support. I'm getting married. Or, Pop, I need your support. This is, you know, I don't want to talk about boxing. I just want to have dinner. And if you lose this fight, somebody's got to take the blame. And it's going to be his father. Like, I don't know if he'll cut ties with him right then and there. 
but there'll be a serious consideration about Tio's future moving forward, depending on how his dad handles the corner during that fight. His dad has to be the level-headed one. It can't be Tio. It shouldn't. How be he Tio. handles the aftermath of the loss. You can't be a sore loser. Yeah, like you, I mean, you can't, but you have to be the more mature individual as the father. Like, we see the Angel Garcias. We see the Floyd Mayweather Seniors. We see all these guys. We see what happened with Shane and Jack Mosley. Like, we, like, fathers don't last long as trainers because at a certain point, you just want your dad to be the dad. Yep. And it, it's a broken relationship. It just, the shit just doesn't work. I just hope that this is not the night that it breaks because I think Teal's a fucking superstar. I think he's an excellent fighter. I think he's got room to grow. He's 23, and this loss would teach him a lot if he ends up losing. If he wins, great. But the loss for Canelo was the greatest thing that ever happened to Canelo. Correct. So we'll see. I'm I'm picking, but my official pick is Lomachenko by decision. I'm going to take Teofimo. Give me 10th round. Do you pick in a knockout? Knockout. Um, And I think Loma's incredible. I I just think it's kind of... It's going to be the Chocolatito effect where you sooner or later going up and being too big for your britches will catch up to you. That's fair. I think the size is a huge thing. Like, like I said, yeah. this, is my first, this is the first time I've predicted this fight. And I've known about this fight for how long? And I couldn't pick a, I couldn't pick a winner. <laughs> yeah, I usually, as soon as I see a fight, I'm like, oh, I, I have an idea who's going to win this fight. This, I've, I've really struggled with this fight. Really struggled. <laughs> it's going to be one hell of a fight. That I, that I know. It's going to be one hell of a fight. Let's hit a break. When we come back, we got to talk MMA. So you guys stay right there. We'll be right back. We'll get right back to the show in a second. But first, the wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be able to be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads to totals to teams, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, everybody, we are back, and it's time to talk MMA. So UFC is coming up. We'll preview the Korean Zombie Brian Ortega card in a little while. First, though, we have to talk about this crazy journey between Conor McGregor and and Dustin Poirier. So we touched on it last time we talked MMA on the show. But of course, stuff changes all the time when you're dealing with Dana White in the UFC. So it comes out that Dana White has offered Conor McGregor and Poirier a date for the January fight card. Conor responds and says he only wants to fight in 2020. Dana then responds by filling the two cards that lost main events due to injuries filling those with new main events and saying sorry connor there's no room for you take the january card or leave it well it looks like dana flexed and and connor gave in because connor now said he's willing to fight in january but he wants to do it in jerry world in dallas which i don't know why that would make any difference like sure why not um that's where connor wants to fight 
I'm sure, if anything, Dana might be like, I run this shit and come back and counter with Allegiant Stadium. But if not, Dana will give in and the fight will be in Dallas. Dre, do you have confidence that this fight is going to be pulled off? Mm, I'm 60-40 right now in favor of the fight happening. Oh, that's not bad. No. That's not bad. Um, This whole thing is about posturing and positioning and dick rapping. That's what this is. Um, Connor says, I retired. Dana says, Basically, all right, well, fuck you then. I'm moving on. And then Connor comes back and says, well, I'm a big fucking star. I want to fight now. And Dana says, no, I already said fuck you. You have to wait. And everybody, all the fans are sitting there going, but he's the biggest star. But Dana's like trying to remind everybody like, I run this shit. I'm the biggest star. Not him. I'm your captain now. So it's not him. And Connor just kind of has to eat it. And the reality is Dana's right in the sense that you retired. When you like, you can't keep using Twitter for leverage and expect me to sit there and just wait for you because he does it all the time. How many times has Connor retired? This would be three, still one less than four. <laughs> what I'm just saying, he retires on Twitter and then he comes back and he wants to fight and then he leaks the messages, his, his text messages between him and Dana. Dana's right in the sense, like, we I don't agree with Dana on a whole lot of things politically, <laughs> but when it comes to like leaking text between the promoter and you, you're not bigger than me. I book your fights not you you can go do whatever you want connor like i'm gonna go fight manny pacquiao okay i'm gonna get paid off of it but all right yep so he still has to write that off he still got to sign his name to that so so all connor has been doing is dick grabbing now he's now if it's january 2021 he's like jerry's world and like nfl playoffs you think like dana's like are you serious like no it's gonna be wherever i tell you what's gonna be yeah, that's even though I don't think the Cowboys will be there. So sure. I mean, shit, they won in the NFC East. Ain't nobody winning that damn yo that conference. That that division is terrible. You you are not lying. They could host a home shit. Game. Six and you ten wins that right. division. <laughs> like that's the show that's, is right. So they could be they could be in the playoffs. They could be playing a wild card game. They can luck up. Yeah, you never right. know what's gonna happen. But I, all all this to say is like Dustin Poirier. He's just collateral damage. Like, this is the fight that people want to see. He's got no say. He doesn't give a shit. He just, he wants to fight. This is all between Connor and Dana. And Dana's going to win. Mm. That's. How long can Dana tempt fate? Right? Like, how long can you tell John Jones, yeah, so what? You don't want to fight? Like, just sit out. And then John says, okay, well, I'm moving heavyweight. And he'll be like, all right, just let me know when you're coming back. See, like, how many pay-per-views can you sell with Figueredo as your main event? Well, as long as you're paying people peanuts, you do as many pay-per-views as you want. So it really comes down to when a fighter is going to unionize and install a collective bargaining agreement. Like, when are they going to nut up and do this? Which brings me to, we'll get right back to this, Joaquin Buckley has... I'm going to say it. I think it's the greatest knockout in UFC history. No, I think it's 1B. I think Yair Rodriguez knocking out Chainsaw Jung is still my favorite knockout of all time. Easily. Easily. It's a back elbow. Like, and the, at the buzzer. kick ain't shit compared to yeah, that. Yeah, at, the, yeah. at the buzzer. This might be. This is number two. Terry Edom and Edson Barbosa is up there. Uh, Vitor Belfort eating Anderson Silva's foot is up there. I was going to say, yeah, this isn't as good as the straight front kick. Nah, I think so. Uh, a jumping back switch kick that freezes a man in midair is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. That's from a Kung Fu flick. Really? Yeah. 
I've seen it some great no knocks. Extension doesn't matter. Like the extension is is what would what a guy. The me. technique. The Barboza extension was fucking pretty because yeah. the leg just swung around like clockwork. Don't, like, don't get me wrong, clock. it was beautiful. But the the way he knocked him out because that shit came out of nowhere. And I the and the way I saw it, like I walked into my house, and because the, the way my house is set up, my TV's at my front door. So I opened the door and I could see the TV, and I saw it right when it happened. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what did I walk into? And then I watched the replay. I was like, this is unbelievable. But all that's to say this. Joaquin Buckley knocks out, I forgot his name. And he. Oh boy. Oh boy. And he collects 10 grand to show, 10 grand to win, like $750 from Reebok, and a 50 grand performance of the night bonus. He en- was well, like 2500 So he ends up with $72,500 before taxes, before t- paying his team. And I saw Kevin Ioli interviewed him. He's doing the rounds on the interview circuit. And in Ioli's interview, he mentions that Joaquin Buckley has to go back to work as a shift manager at Walgreens. If I said the N-word, I'd say it right now. Because get the fuck out of here. Like, the man has absolutely a top five knockout of all time. He's doing, he's gone viral. It's the most viral video the UFC has had, period. Most viral knockout they've ever had. It, it did some stupid numbers on our ESPN page. Right. Like... It was, it beat almost all but maybe one LeBron NBA Finals post. If that video had an advertisement in it, he'd be rich off the royalties of that advertisement. He would make more off the royalties of that advertisement in his knockout video than he did for fighting the actual fucking fight. And this man has to go work a shift job at Walgreens? Are you kidding me? Like, come on, man. Like, the reason why this man has to turn around so quick to fight again so he can take some more days off from Walgreens. Because if he didn't get the 50K bonus, which is crazy if he didn't, but if he didn't get that, or if he lost that fight, you know how much money he would have made? $12,500. He would have made the promotional Reebok money and his show money. $12,500. Listen, man. I don't put my pay out there, but I make more than him. And I don't fight. I don't train. $12,500 is nothing. Because your training camp... Okay, stun on them. Stun on them. No, I'm just being honest. <laughs> if, if I'm putting my life on the line, because that's what you do every time you fight. Because it's not just your life. It's like your physical well-being. Like your teeth, you lose teeth. All kinds of shit. Because there's no health insurance. If he breaks an arm, fuck it. He's got to pay for it. Right? If I do all of that and I come home with $12,000, are you kidding me? Like, again, I'm not trying to stunt. I'm just saying I've done some shit where I've made more money than that, and I ain't had to fight. And he has to fight. This is the reason why Dana White can do what he does. This is the reason why he controls the narrative for everything. This is the reason why he has to check Conor McGregor. Because if Conor was, I don't know, smarter, because I think he's a great fighter. But if Conor said, you know what, I'm going to call John Jones. And I'm going to say, hey, John, we are probably two of the biggest stars. And Israel Adesanya, maybe. We yeah. should lead the charge on a fighter union. And we should tell Dana, and call Amanda Nunez too. We're not fighting until there's a CBA. Dana's fucked. 
But the fighters are so scared to do that because they make $12,500 fucking dollars. And if, because they make that little money, they have to go to work. So they have to take any scrap the UFC gives them. If they don't have any support, because that's what Leslie Smith tried to do, and she didn't get any support. If a big star does that, the game has to change. And then fighters can kind of call their shots a little bit more. And I don't want the inmates to run the asylum. I just want to have more leverage in negotiations. That's all. I don't want guys putting their lives on the line and having to live in the house with roommates. That's crazy. Imagine if the Charlos had to live together because they didn't make enough money fighting. That, that's ridiculous. <laughs> you got to shack up. It's like, oh, man, can I bunk with you? No. Like, the UFC, how much they sell the company for? To Endeavor? 3.4, Bill. <laughs> And this man who just has the knockout that's going to be on the goddamn video whenever we have fans back in the building. This is going to be on the, the video that you see before the fights happen. It'll be like a staple. This man's going to make, like, he made $72,000 off of that knockout? Oh, pff. listen. He deserves, he should have collected two bonuses. Yo, they should have gave him everybody's bonus that night. Like he, he, Dana should have looked at all the bonuses, like performance of the night, knockout of the night. I'm going to give you his bonus, and I'll still give them their bonuses too. But he could have afforded to give him a $200,000 bonus. Oh, easy. I'm just asking 100000 to be like, yo, we've this is the wildest shit we've ever seen. This can't be equal to the bullshit bonus I gave someone else last week. There's no way. All knockouts aren't equal. That was unbelievable. So to bring all this back full circle, Connor has to understand his position, but he needs to leverage his position better because being the superstar that he is, fighters will rally behind him if he makes a statement. But all these fighters are scared. And this is the reason why that Dana's going to say, I told you I actually ain't fighting in 2020 and you're not fighting in 2020. Even though economically... <laughs> Davison Figueroa headlining a pay-per-view is fucking stupid. Dana can afford it. It don't hurt. Oh, this pay-per-view only did 20,000 that buys. So? <laughs> like, I only paid him $20,000. Who cares? Do what I want. I hope he's getting paid more than that. I'm just saying, who knows? Figueroa can't be making barely over six figures, can he? If he's not getting the Champions 500, that's criminal. You think he's going to get the Champions 500? I don't. I have no faith in this, so no. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, damn, he's he's a champion. Like, no, I don't think Henry Henry was probably getting the five. Yeah, I mean, come on, man, they were kicking it and talking about Trump. Of course he was. But I mean, look, Aljamain Sterling finally got booked for the Petter Yan fight. Yeah, what kind of absurdity is this? This man is the clear cut number one contender. Dana Aljo might fight this shit on an eighty and eighty. Crazy. But this, it felt like Dana waited to see what Marlon Moraes was going to do against Corey Sanhagen. Sanhagen knocked him out, and then Dana was like, ah, got no choice, Sterling versus Jan. Because if Moraes yeah, would have won, there's a pocket. Things would have gotten interesting. But come on, man. Fighters need more leverage. The rankings don't matter. I tell you guys this all the time. I'm on the rankings committee. I, I put guys in the way that I see fit. But who cares? Because they don't listen to that shit. He, nah, and Aljo. Yeah, you can't tell shit to Aljo. He just wrapped Sam Hagen up. Yeah, like he bottled him up in, what, under two minutes? Yep, Didn't even get right. touched. That's the, the, there was no doubt he was the number one contender. But he just now got booked for that fight? It's crazy. December 12th. That's tough. Dana, Dana, 
I don't know this, no inside information. Nothing. I wouldn't be surprised if he called Triple C and was like, yo, you want to step in? I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. No leverage. Wouldn't be surprised. These fighters have, no, just, the fighters have no leverage. Until fighters. And, and Aljo would have had to eat them. Yeah, until fighters do what NBA players did and say, oh, we're not playing tonight. Just do it at a pay-per-view. Can you imagine? Oh, like last second? Like, no, nah, we're not. Yeah, like, oh, I'm going to hold your feet to the fire. Like, listen. Heads roll. Yeah, but if they did it, what's he going to do? Cut them off? Fine. Because imagine, because like, just imagine a pay-per-view and Israel Adesanya is headlining the pay-per-view. And Izzy's like, oh, we should all be getting more. And he's like, no. And then Izzy, at the 11th hour, before the fight's going, convinces all the fighters to not show up. That's why. And then Connor says, and then Connor says, I'll pay everything that you guys are going to make. Because I made it off the Floyd Mayweather fight. So I can pay everybody their salaries that they were going to make tonight to not fight. Probably take a tax write-off. Yeah, you know? he, I'm sure he could. But there, there's power in that. Like fighters would be, the fighters are scared to not make money. But when you're making pennies, and Connor can literally cover, it's like, dude, it's like for him, it's like dinner. It's like, oh, I can cover your dinner tonight. What's that? Twelve thousand five hundred. Make that with the Manny fight. He's making that for proper twelve. He don't give a shit. No, that Manny fight's gonna give him a cool hundo. Yeah, I mean, of course. But I'm just saying, like, if you take that, all the fighters walk at a pay per view. You pay them their salaries. And then, the, then Dana's like stuck because now you got to refund everybody <laughs> for buying that pay-per-view. You got to answer to Endeavor. And now you nuts are being held to the fire because now you realize the inmates actually have... The, it's, not a, it's not a prison because they're no longer inmates. Now you have to agree to a CBA. Yeah, see what happens. It's not going to happen. Fighters are too pussy. Like the ones that really care, they're not on that level. Dana appeases the Cormiers and the John Joneses of the world. So they won't fight back. Yeah. Now he pays the big guys just enough yeah. to not revolt. So, listen, I get it. Um, real quick, before we do our predictions for this upcoming UFC card, good or bad for Connor and Poirier to fight in January? To me, I don't get it. Like, if you have that Manny fight pretty much under wraps, and that's 100 mil, losing to Poirier would only hurt you. Winning might be great. You become number one contender again, you fight Pacquiao, and then sometime next summer, you fight for the UFC title. But I I think you could kind of just wait it out and do that anyway without fighting Poirier. Some, I find it very weird. Clearly something is in the air that that fight is in danger of not happening. It has to, it has to be either the economics of it all. Look, Pacquiao? Yeah. Oh, they're gonna put that in the Middle East. It's fine. Well, like, it's fine. He just signed the paradigm. But then there's, the, but I don't believe he'd take this fight if that fight was done. Something else is going on. The only way I could think is that Dana says you have to fight for me twice next year, and I'll let you fight. Yes, that's exactly what I mean by something else is going on. Dana's like, oh, like I'm not signing off on this shit. You ain't gonna go make a bunch of money boxing and not fight for me. And I'm gonna tell you yeah. when you fight because guess what. You are my employee. Yep. And I got to sign off on this yeah. shit. So, listen, you fight for me here. I'll let you fight Manny in April. You fight for me in September. Yeah. Easy money. Stop retiring, bitch. Like, that's what it is. Cut it out. Quit playing. <laughs> Cut out. Yeah, like, just listen. And that's a $200 million year. Yes. And with those three fights. So, if it makes dollars, it makes sense. Uh, let's go through this card Coming up this weekend, uh, we have Thomas Almeida leading off the card versus Jonathan Martinez. 
I haven't seen Almeida in forever. Know, what right? happened to him? You remember he got wrecked by uh, Cody Garbrandt? We were like, ah, well, I guess it's a wrap. We haven't really seen much of him since. He was never the same fighter. He's lost three in a row? <laughs> yeah. He got <laughs> Garbrandt, 16. Jimmy Rivera beat him in 17. Lost to Rob Font in 18. Got knocked out and hasn't fought since. Yep. COVID and everything else. Wow. He needs this win bad. Yo, what a decline! Like him, him when he fought he was Garbrandt. And 0. Yeah, he fought Garbrandt. We all were like, "Oh man, this is the future of the sport." Yeah, we we got to see what happened there. Crazy. Ugh. Life comes at you fast. Yeah, so he needs that. He needs a statement. Yeah, he does. This he needs a knockout against this Jonathan Martinez fellow. Um, then we have Claudio Silva versus James Kraus. Hmm. I mean, Silva has a better record. Kraus is the veteran. Silva's also 38. Uh, Silva also yeah. has a victory over Leon Edwards, though. That's a good victory. Um, yeah, give me Silva. I'll take it. It's a toss-up. I'll take it, Silva. I like James Kraus. I think he's a great guy. Um, he loses close fights. But, yeah, I don't think he's going to pull it out here. Oh, geez, Louise. I got to mention these these names of the next fight. Well, Jimmy. Jimmy Crew. <laughs> uh Modestas, Modestas? Buktaktis. There you go. Woo, Modestas. It's that. It just makes me want a Modelo. Right. But I like this fight because I like young kids at 205. Yeah, we need some new blood. That's that's my biggest takeaway. Young kids at 205. Um, Jimmy looked like, like he was the real deal for a second. I was like, oh, he's super young. It's going to be good. And then Serkinov chat tapped his ass out. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, well, there that goes. So, you know, he's taking his time now. Young kid, still, I think, 23, 24. So, you know, sport's not built for young kids. Took that on the chin. Let's see how he bounces back. He has one win since then. I'll pick him to win this fight. And Modelo will take the loss, but it's okay. Hopefully it's a good fight. Um, it, uh, this is hard for me only because I haven't seen any of Modesto's fights. Like, I haven't done any research on this dude whatsoever. So I'm going to take Crew because that's the guy that I know. But Modesto's didn't have a Wikipedia page. So I'm going to take it Jimmy Crew. And I know it sucks. Usually I do my research before rankings, but I just haven't had time this week. I'll be doing all my recon tomorrow night. And then we have Caitlin Ch- Chukagian versus Jessica Andrade. Uh, give me Jessica. Look, man. I'm picking Andrade. There's, I like Chukagian. Don't get me wrong. She's a good fighter. Chukagian's cool. Yeah. But I think between Andrade's power, she's going to catch her at some point. She's she's got solid stand up. Chukagian's got solid stand up too. But Andrade's power is different than other women's power. It's very blunt, and I think Chukagian's going to be wearing this on her face after about a round and a half. No, I agree. Andrade's beat some really good yeah. fighters, and it's only really lost to recently. Some really good. Yeah, I mean, fighters. she only lo- uses two strikers, really good strikers who have great movement and like they they mix up their striking. Chukagian is a solid striker, but I don't think she has the po- power to keep Andrade off of her. And if the fight goes to the match, she's really in trouble. So yeah, so I mean, she's last five years. Her losses are Weili Zhang, uh, Rose Namajunas, and Joanna. That's it. Last five yeah. years, like. Yeah, I'm taking Jessica Andrade. And then main event, Brian Ortega versus Korean Zombie. I'm taking a Korean Zombie just because you don't slap up a man's <laughs> friend. Like, 
Like, this shit's cool. Like, hey, this whole, I've kept my ear to the ground of this press circuit with Ortega and shit. He's like, oh, it's not personal. It's just another fight. Maybe to you. The Korean zombie's coming to put your fucking nose in the back of your head. Um, yeah, give me zombie by brutal KO. Um, this is a tough fight for me to pick. If this fight happened um, last year, I'd easily pick Ortega. But the fact that Ortega hasn't fought since, since getting mowed down by Max Holloway in 2018 says a lot. It was late. It still was December 2018. It's October 2020, and this man hasn't fought. Yeah, that's two years. Jeez. Yeah, it's a long-ass time. But I'm still going to pick Brian Ortega. For, for whatever reason, I can't get the visual of him knocking Frankie Edgar out of my head. <laughs> and it sticks right. with me to the point where I look at the Korean zombie, and you know he lost Yari Rodriguez. He's won some really good fights. He's got some good jitsu. Some, he was dominating that fight. Though. Yeah. Well, he wasn't dominating. It was a close fight. Um, but he was on his way to he win. Was he win. was on his way to win that fight. Yes, he got knocked out. Yes, he was. Ortega's got really good ground game and, and really good hands, surprisingly. The Max Holloway fight was he ran into a buzzsaw. I don't think that Jung is that type of a buzzsaw. I'm, I'm more concerned about being out of the case for goddamn two years. But I'm going to pick Ortega, um, and I think he might stop the zombie as well. If they call the zombie the zombie for a reason, he's going to come straight at him. He's not going to give him too many angles. Listen, you want to hear the zombie's last couple fights? Moicano, first round knockout, 58 seconds. Frankie Edgar, you were just talking about Edgar, three minutes and 18. So maybe it went like 30 seconds longer than T-City's fight against Edgar. But he stopped him too. Yair catches him in the last second with a KO in 2018. That's his only loss in the past five years or seven years. And then before that, first round KO of Dennis Bermudez. Yeah, no, the guy knocks people And then he went on his, you know... The sabbatical. South Korea. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. went to war. Where you got to go to military. <laughs> yeah. Like, just randomly in the middle of your shit. Like, they're like, nah, you got to go to war for three years. Um, so, but that's his past couple of years. Yeah. At, One fight he lost at the buzzer that he was going to win and four first-round knockouts. T-City's in for a hurt. This, I, look, man, I, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised, but, you know, as much as you say TC is in for a hurting, that man took punishment. By Max Holloway. And I and I guess I don't know what that has done to him. Because I, on one hand, I could say, man, he's not going to get knocked out because the motherfucker can take a punch. Because he took like 100 of them against Holloway and didn't go away. But on the other side of that is maybe that face isn't up to stuff anymore. Maybe he gets hit a couple times and he just checks out and he's like, I'm done with this shit. So I don't know. I Look, I'm not picking Ortega with a ton of confidence. I just can't get this Frankie Edgar, that, that uppercut knockout out of my head. And he looked phenomenal against Cub Swanson. And Max Holloway was just, he's just a different beast at, at featherweight. So, I'm going to take Ortega. I just wouldn't be surprised if, Ortega, if, if he loses. But I'm, I'm, that's my pick. Fuck it. Well, all right. That's our MMA picks for today. Man, crazy pack show. It was great. Wild week we have ahead. You know what? We were only going to do this one show today. And we were going to pack wrestling into it. But... Instead, we're going to break wrestling off. We'll have wrestling as its own show. We'll give it its rightful time. And we'll do a mini show, all pro wrestling. So you guys will get a wrestling show on Saturday. And then next Monday, get back to the normal schedule. You know, it's a long show. Hour and 30 minutes. You guys love us. But 
we'll break wrestling off it and do our own wrestling thing. So thank you guys for tuning in. It feels great to be back. It is a great week in combat sports. Thank you guys. Follow us on social media at corner podcast underscore at corner club for life on Instagram. Me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hale. Shout out to Blue Wire. Shout out to the sponsors as well. Until next time, which is tomorrow, we're out. Peace. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you. So you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.